0: I have a question for you. Do you think it's difficult to be a Christian in your home? Those closest to you are more likely to spot the contradictions between your behaviour and your faith, perhaps. Today here on Search for Truth, your Bible teacher Brian Johnston is focusing on living with integrity at home. It's part of our study theme for this series called Get Real, where over the next few weeks Brian will be viewing different areas of our Christian lives in order to discover how to bring greater reality and authenticity to them. So Brian, how do we better live with integrity at home?
1: Well John, they say charity begins at home. And I guess the implication is that our home life is the ultimate test. It's there we observe most closely and where our inconsistencies may be all too apparent. The Apostle John's biblical test to check if anyone's love for God was real was to observe whether that same person loved his brothers and sisters. Although that setting may be more the family of God rather than specifically their own natural family, surely the same principle applies, does it not? And our home life is linked to our church life. For Timothy received instructions from Paul that a man wasn't to be recognised as a church leader – unless he'd proved himself in the domestic sphere. His home life had to be beyond reproach. And really, these are standards that all believers should be aspiring to. Peter specifically says of women that their home life was to be such that even unbelieving husbands would be won for the Lord simply by the conduct of their wives, without even a word needing to be spoken. We're meant to learn from the Bible storyline, as well as from its direct commands. And woven into its text, we find details of the homes of some of its characters. They are of timeless application in terms of the truths they expose to us. Briefly, let's just check out some examples. There's the perennial danger of over commitment outside the home. A parent preoccupied with the busy demands of professional life, and who doesn't put in special effort to balance that, might expect to lose the respect of his children. Try asking Eli the priest about that. Problems here were compounded by the fact that he couldn't effectively say no to his kids. Unchecked by effective parental restraint, they grew up to be wilfully disobedient, their lives a total disaster area. So from the stories of David and Eli, we can observe the effects of professional neglect on family life. There's a terrible danger in parents being overcommitted outside the home and as a result not being available to give consistent input to their children's training. Sometimes rich, successful parents sit by their garden swimming pools and wonder why their son or daughter prefers to live in squalor down in a nearby commune. Maybe they feel more valued there. Parents can be preoccupied with providing a degree of lifestyle where material things take over but no amount of material things can compensate for an absent dad or mum. What price the rough and tumble a toddler has with his dad, building rapport which can be cashed in on later. The Bible perspective can be found in Psalm 127. Children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. In the ups and downs of daily domestic bliss, this is a healthy reminder that children are a precious gift from God, a trust given into our charge, and our supreme task is to equip them to hit the mark in divine service. By contrast to the homes we've thought about, the home of obed must have seemed like a genuinely God-fearing home. Why else would King David have permitted the Ark of the Covenant to have lodged there in the home of a foreigner? The Ark of the Lord, the symbol of the Lord's presence, was now in that dear man's home. What a witness that would have been to the neighbourhood. Did people pop in to see the Ark of the Testimony, which normally was only seen by the high priest of Israel? And if Christ is settled down, and at home in our hearts through faith, will our lives not equally express the fear of the Lord and be powerful in their witness among our neighbours? Surely they will. Then there's Lot, who succeeded in business, but at the expense of his family. How come? Because he had the wrong emphasis. Early in his life, his choices showed that he valued material success above spiritual success. That was way before he chose to bring up his children in the wrong environment. Seemingly, he thought his children could live in Sodom and not be affected by it. It seems he thought his family would follow his instructions. Instead, they adopted the standards of their peers is dangerous for any parent to underestimate the power of the surrounding culture. Outside of parental influence, the four greatest influences in a young person's home life are their peers, the internet, media and music how well Daniel's parents had moulded his value system in years of early training so that he could stand firm and loyal to his principles when he suddenly found himself in a big city and in a foreign culture surrounded by lots of temptations. Job is a shining example to us of the need to pray for our kids lifelong. Job chapter 1 tells us he offered sacrifices regularly just in case any of his children had sinned against God. Some parents even have a day of prayer and fasting each week for their kids, seeking God's guidance for them in their careers and relationships. As well as like Job in being conscious of his children's shortcomings, we can also ask God to help us in our own shortcomings as parents. We can regularly request that he'll compensate for our weaknesses and failings in a way that will ensure these young charges that he's entrusted to us will not be damaged in any way And we'll want to ask him to preserve them from the evil influences of the world, won't we? Yes, prayer is so vital. It's good to read through the Bible's family histories with a parent's eye and a heart that's open to learn from the bad examples as well as the good. Again, we can see the bad results of favouritism from Isaac and Rebecca's family. We need to be open to all God can teach us through his word. In addition to examples, this clear instruction also, of course, Family units were God's way of building society from the very beginning, and the Bible isn't lacking when it comes to finding detail on how to go about living successfully at home. In fact, God's Word clearly specifies the following ingredients. Instruction, training, provision, nurturing, discipline, and above all, love. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 6 starts off where that list had ended. Perhaps best of all, it sets the tone for family life at home. God prefaced his remarks there by saying, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. What does this say to us? Only that in family life, the paramount thing is love for God. It's God's will that the lives of parents be permeated with love for him. And love for God will overflow into love for others too. The atmosphere in a Christian home should be loving. It recalls for me the touching tenderness of God's language towards Israel, called Ephraim. In Hosea chapter 11 verse 3, God says, I taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by their arms. I drew them with gentle cords. Some versions have it that God took them on his arms. Any parent can relate to God's description here of gently, tenderly, assisting a toddler to take those first faltering steps. With real affection and satisfaction and pleasure, the parent says, well done. Sometimes it will require to be tough love when correction needs to be applied. For read on in Hosea to find out how God's love isn't an indulgent, sentimental thing. Far from it. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 6 confirms that whom the Lord loves, he chastens. The important thing for us to imitate is that even his disciplines are full of love. What we're saying is God's love must be uppermost in family life. And we're saying that on the authority of Deuteronomy chapter 6. We need to put first what God puts first. If God doesn't have the first place in our lives, then our children will be quick to spot the hypocrisy when we attempt to teach them spiritual values. We need to pass down to our children a healthy reverence for God, as well as an attentive ear to obey his voice. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 6 which we already mentioned says and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. How important that is. Just as parents hearts are to be permeated with God's love here we have another fundamental principle for our life at home. There's little chance of children becoming gripped by God's word and the reality of God if their parents don't display it. The hearts of parents are to be captivated with the truth of God and his word. Many things are caught by our children rather than explicitly taught to them. If we say Christianity is very important but don't go to church gatherings, then actually children will learn that Christianity isn't important. The same will happen if we teach the importance of faith but then worry about everything ourselves. If we piously talk about taking our problems to the Lord, but then make our own independent decisions, again the effect will be opposite to what's desired. If we say money isn't important, but then ourselves live materialistically, it'll be very unlikely that they'll get the true message. Imparting our own selves to them is a costly thing in terms of time. The old adage about quality time being more important than quantity time is probably not as true as we'd like to believe when we lead busy lives. Suffice it to say that it's important we spend blocks of time with our children. Maybe we can watch their favourite TV programme with them and creatively use it as a discussion topic to casually debrief them on any media message that's been put over. By the way, I say casually to indicate a natural chatty style of dialogue with our children as together we review the content of TV or radio programmes or magazine features. But I certainly don't mean casual as implying it's not too important to monitor the values that children get taught through the media on the contrary, I think it's extremely important to expose whatever values are not biblical values, especially when sinful behaviours like violence and immorality are being glamorized. While we're thinking of young family members being impressionable, it's worth noting that in the Bible's inspired advice to parents, in Deuteronomy 6 verse 7, it stresses the need for parents impressing or teaching diligently God's commands to their children. Literally, it might have been translated, you shall intensely sharpen your children, which serves to show that the type of teaching God has in mind is active communication of his truth and values, not passive. Certainly, the transfer of truth from one generation to the next is not automatic, but it requires time and effort time and effort that has to be supplied by parents who themselves have God's truth at the core of their beings and allow it to become woven into the fabric of their existence. Mothers especially have a tremendous responsibility and privilege in moulding the generation to come, particularly at an early stage when the clay, so to speak, is still wet and impressionable. What's the saying? Give me a child till he's seven, is it? And I'll show you the man. Parents, mothers, you are raising tomorrow's leaders. What an impact on history unassuming mothers like Susanna Wesley must have had. Who would dare say that theirs was a wasted life?
0: Thanks Brian for that interesting scrutiny of an important aspect of being a Christian. The talk you've heard today is also available to download via the internet in audio or text format. Simply ask for Get Real. You can do this by email or by post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wotton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info, And did you know by looking up www.searchfortruth.org.uk you'll find our church's main website. So it's been great to have your company today. Many thanks for being with us and for your interest in our programmes. Please join us next week for another talk in this series, if you can, when Brian will be taking a further look at Christian integrity in our home life. And in the meantime, it's very best wishes from our Bible teacher, Brian, studio technician, David, our singers, and me, John. So bye for now, and may God really richly bless you.